the Yule log burned, and behind it sat the boy and his guests, the old man with the single twinkling eye. The boy had brought them a hot drink, and they sipped in a lull between questions. There were questions about the nature of elves, of trolls, of the woods around them. Yes, they did have elves in them, in the in-between places. And there were trolls out there in the caves by the hills. And they might indeed hunger for humans, but for children especially. The boy did not like that. He was not sure he believed it either. Where do the elves come from? And the trolls. And the dwarves, too. The man smiled, drawing a shape in the ashes of the fire, a line going straight down and a half-diamond that began and ended in the line. From the same place, boy. Some say trolls are lesser giants. Both are Thurzes, natural beings of rock and earth, different in power and temperament. Know you this, so too are elves, servants of Frey they are. Dwarves are a type of elf, though different enough in appearance, for dwarves are hideous things, while elves are beautiful. All are chaotic, untrustworthy things. The natural world cannot be trusted, no more than a brigand or a dragon. It all stems from where they came from. The boy took it in. A Thurs? That sounds just like Thor. Oh, indeed. Thor is born of the earth, too. His mother is Yord, the earth itself. She is a beautiful and untamable thing, and Odin lay with her once while wandering. Thor was born, and he defends mankind from Thurses. He is the slayer of giants and teacher of strength. Giant slaying comes naturally to him. It is in his blood. Is it? The question came as an accusation. The stranger leaned forward. Do you know of Emir, of the creation of the world, boy? The boy shook his head, but did not give up his question. The stranger laughed, seeing a need for a tale. Welcome to Goddessy, Season 2, Episode 2, The World Tree. The stranger leaned back and took a drink. Know you then the origins of all things born in the void? In the beginning there was fire and ice. A fire was Muspel, home of flame and deep earth ember. A land of fire where there is the constant sound of crackling flame and hammering. It is here that Surtur, the great fire giant, hammers away at his forge, creating weapons. Weapons for what? The stranger did not smile. In due course, boy. Opposite Muspelheim is Niflheim, a joyless place of cold and death. The two are opposites, you see, and from them flow rivers. From Muspelheim come rivers of fire and lava, and from Niflheim rivers of ice and deathly cold water and even poison. Between them was a land, empty, endless, void of anything, called Gnungagap the yawning void. And as time passed, the fires of Muspel and poison ice of Niflheim touched, and with it came an explosion of life, the elements of fire, of earth, of air, of water formed, and chaos was created. From chaos comes life, for all things have chaos in them, no matter how lawful. Do not let steady tear tell you otherwise. From this explosion, this bang, came life, and the greatest of these beings was Emir. 
a giant being born in a block of ice, both male and female, life constantly formed off of Emir. But Emir was trapped. But among the first beings was the primordial cow, Adumbla, who licked the sea salt ice block until Emir emerged, and from Emir emerged beings great and small, including the first humans. But we shall come to that. Freed of the ice, there were other beings who saw Emir. Bor was the first of the gods, and he lay with an early Jotun, a giantess named Besla. Three sons had they, equal in all ways, Vile, Ve, and Odin. It was the sons of Bor that saw Emir a threat, and thus sought to destroy him. A great battle was waged, and the vast plain that had been Gunungagap was destroyed. Emir was slain, and the three brothers saw the destruction they had wrought. They decided from Emir's massive form to create as many worlds as they could from this one body. For indeed, Emir's body had not stopped creating. From his blood came the Hrimthurses, the Frost Giants, among the fiercest of giants, and of all the races of the Jotuns. First from Emir's flesh they made the land itself, the earth, which is Yord. She was great and powerful and fertile. The excess of blood became the oceans which surround and embrace the earth, and from Emir's bones were made mountains, mountains of many worlds. Trees of Emir's hair, and from his massive skull were made the sky and stars, the clouds are his brains. When all was left, his eyebrows were used to make the middle realm between worlds, Middle Earth, called Midgard, your home, boy. I live on eyebrows, asked the boy incredulously. You live on eyebrows, replied the man matter-of-factly. He continued. Elves and dwarves, like Jotuns, were born of this. The mixing of earth and sea made them. Humanity was previously born of Amir's armpit before the battle, and during the battle hid themselves in wood. In time, the Aesir found them and reformed them from wood. Ask and Embla, they were called for the ash tree and elm tree they were made from. Soulless, heatless, and hueless were they, and into them Odin breathed life, and the other gods gave many gifts too. But remember, the soul moves the body, and all humans have souls, and from Odin comes the soul. Other gifts come in varying capacities from the other gods. What gifts have you, boy? Find your god and give thanks. The boy sat for a moment letting that fall between them. Yes, but what are the worlds? You said you would tell me of Yggdrasil and of the War of the Gods. So I did. Let us resume our tale of Odin now, wandering from Midgard. Now Odin had left the halls of Agnar and went wandering among men, and it was there he found Thor, whom he suspected he needed. Thor is the protector of mankind, and mighty is he. When he throws something and throws things, he does, for he is the hurler. They do not come back. It makes having a weapon inconvenient, and this was long before he had gained his returning hammer Mjolnir. The Thunderer Odin found to bring him to council, and so the two traveled. How do you travel between worlds, you may ask? Well, three methods are plainly known. For the way between worlds is known to the wise, and Odin is wisest. 
The worlds are connected, and if you wander enough, you are sure to find paths, long paths, in the dark and shadows and forest and mountains that are treacherous and long. Of these, there are countless ways where a poor human might end up in Elfheim, whisked away by the elves, or fraught in Jotunheim. There are quicker ways, and known to most, yet impossible for a mortal like you, boy, is the Rainbow Bridge, the Bifrost. When you see the Northern Lights, know that the gods are about, and indeed, too, when rainbows mark the sky. The gods and gods alone travel Bifrost, and it is the fastest way. Yet you see others on the bridge, and for gods, sometimes you don't want others to see you. That leaves one last route between worlds. Yggdrasil. Between the nine worlds is Yggdrasil, the largest ash tree to have ever grown. Its roots and branches touch each of the worlds, and if you know how to find these branches, you can travel from world to world. It is a treacherous journey, and many a creature can be found there. Its upper reaches touch the higher worlds, and its roots touch the lower. Now I shall tell you of the nine worlds, boy, and listen close. In the center is the world that touches all, upon which Yggdrasil grows. Midgard, Middle-earth, of which we have spoken much of. It is the land of humans, and in the center of things, it is the place where the travelers and gossip they bring to all worlds find themselves. Colonies of dwarves you can find in fortresses long abandoned, trolls in the low places, and elves too under rock and tree and field. Follow Yggdrasil up, and you will find the realm of the Yule being the High Ones, the Gods. And Asgard dwells the Aesir, the Wise Ones, the High Lords. But know this, the Aesir are not the only Gods. The Vanir are their equal in every way. The Gods of Fertility and Earthly Wisdom are the Vanir, and they dwell in Vanaheim. One of their Lords, Frey, rules over Alfheim, the land of the Elves, with fair field and shining light. Beneath Asgard, Vanaheim, and Alfheim is Jotunheim, the largest of the Nine Worlds, where dwells the many races of the Jotuns, called giants in your mortal tongue. A land of high mountains and deep valleys, the lords of the giants live there, and there are many kingdoms. Frost giants, fire giants, trolls, ogres. There are as many Jotun as there are tribes of humanity. Another world is similar to this, yet more mountainous. This is good, for dwarves prefer to live below the ground, and they dwell in Nidavilir, the downward fields and vale of the waning moon. Mountainous and arid, the greatest smiths live here. Beneath these is Midgard, leaving us with only the great blow. At Yggdrasil's base is Muspilheim and Niflheim, the lands of fire and ice. Fire giants and servants of Surtur live there at Muspel, and in Niflheim, the land of mist, dwells Hel, queen of the inglorious dead. But her tale stands before us, so no more of her shall I say. Between these two worlds, and mirror of Alfheim and Nidavilla, is Svartalheim, land of dark and shadow. Related to elves and dwarves are the dark elves, indeed. Some say they are the same thing, but their morals are altogether darker indeed. Thus, there are nine worlds known. Asgard, Vanaheim, and Elfheim. Jotunheim, Nidavilla, and Midgard. And Svartalheim, Muspelheim, and Niflheim.
back to the tale of Odin. Why did he take Yggdrasil? Because of the War of the Gods. The Vanir did not originate as the Aesir did and did not come from Ymir. Where did they come from? Few can say. They are travelers and the Aesir and Vanir fought for supremacy and control over the elves, humanity, and dwarves. Thus, Bifrost was an untrustworthy route home. Odin did not know who he might meet there, and blood spilt on the Rainbow Bridge is an ill omen for the one who spilt it. So Yggdrasil was the only way for Grimnir who was Odin, and for Thor. How do you imagine Thor, boy? He is tall, and fiery blonde into his beard, an unruly thing no comb can tame. His clothes are barely that, and no armor wears he, his knees always exposed and worn and red. His grimace is his smile, and his smile and laugh are like his growl and war cry. He is the thunderer, for storms are his, and the god of lightning is he. In this time he did not yet wield Mjolnir, and Thor was a young god and a new father. The grim god and his thundering son entered upon a middle branch of Yggdrasil from Midgard, and there felt the winds that come from the top. For at the top of Yggdrasil is a high eagle whose wings beat, throwing the winds around the nine worlds. His loyalty is known only to Odin, and no part of this tale shall reveal it. Past the pull of the Norns they traveled, for they had no need of prophecy. They are Skuld, Verdandi, and Erd, Volva of past, present, and future. A vulva, you ask? A vulva is a soothsayer, an oracle, and many women of the nine worlds are vulva. Having no need for them, the father and son continued on, past the herds of deer that dwell on the mossy branches of the world tree. Yes, boy, whole herds of deer, massive deer, larger than a horse, dwell on Yggdrasil. All things on Yggdrasil are especially large, and that includes Radatosk, the drill tooth. A vile creature is he, one of ill wit and tongue as sharp as tooth. Radatosk goes up and down the world tree from top to bottom, for at the bottom dwells the serpent, draconic Nidhogg, who gnaws at Yggdrasil's roots, hoping to bring the tree down. One day he may yet succeed, when the world tree burns but not this day. Radatosk speaks to Needhog, and then the eagle at the top. He brings false words between the two, spreading gossip that is untrue and unwise. It enrages the eagle. He beats his wings. It enrages the dragon. He gnaws at the roots. The wheel of the world turns at the two ends of Yggdrasil, and Radatosk is the engine that drives it. And did I mention, boy? Ratatosk is a giant red squirrel. Ratatosk enrages all he encounters, whispering gossip he knows will inflame the passions of strangers and those known to him. And to Odin and Thor he spoke. Odin said nothing in wisdom, but in rashness Thor threw both of his boots that day at Ratatosk, missing both times, for the squirrel is quick in wit and in movement. Odin convinced the hurler to hurl no more, and they made for the upper branches, to where bright lights shone from Asgard. Asgard is a land unlike any other, a shining place, around a single shining tree. 
with high walls and a rainbow bridge that can take them instantly to Midgard and beyond. High walls there were, and each god had a house to themselves, spouses sharing. In this way Odin and Frigga shared a home, and Thor shared a home with his wife Sif and their children. Indeed, there are many halls in Asgard, but it was not the high halls of holy Asgard Odin saw that day, boy. No, he saw smoke and he saw ashes when emerging from Yggdrasil to Asgard that day. Quick in passion and fear they ran, for in the center at the shining tree at the heart of Asgard was a crowd. And beside them, a pyre, for the gods in those days did not have graves as they do not now. What's that, boy? You didn't know that gods could die? Oh, yes, boy. The gods are like any other being in the nine worlds. They are born, they live, and they have children. They live full lives, in fact, and they die. If they are fortunate in battle, inglorious or treacherous deaths are not what any want. For they send you to hell. Odin and Thor took stock of the living. Where are my brothers Heimdall? Where are Villa and Ve? And our wife, Frigga? They call Heimdall the White God, a term many are confused by. How many northerners have dark skin, boy? Not many, though they do exist. So it is among the gods. Heimdall is the whitest because he shines as Bifrost shines, reflecting light brilliantly. His eyes are like the stars of the heavens, and he sees and hears all going on in the Nine Worlds. That day, he was stained with blood, the blood of invaders. Ill tidings, Odin Borson, king of Asgard. Where there were three brothers, now there is one. Your wife Frigga holds vigil at their pyre, waiting for your return. Make haste, for her sorrows are great. Come then, Watcher, for a future I need you to see, and bring Ulur. I would speak to our people. Much change there must be. Heimdall filled him in on the battle, that the Vanir, led by Frey and Freya, the children of Njord, crossed Bifrost like a storm, and there, with Freya's great magic, brought down the walls of Asgard. The many halls of Asgard they burned, and many defenders they brought low. Why was Asgard not defended? Where was Thor? Where was Loki? Understand, boy, without the gods, the Jotuns and their ilk would have long overrun the worlds and brought everything low in hunger and chaos. The gods are stretched thin. Thor is often in the east, keeping the Jotun at bay in their home, and when not there, he is in Midgard. Loki, too, a Jotun by birth, wanders as Odin does, for they are quite alike, Laufey's son and Bor's son. When Odin wanders, he sets his two brothers in charge. Without them, Odin had a dilemma, for he had come to end the war. This complicated matters greatly. There were, of course, Vanir dead, and indeed, there were fewer Vanir than Aesir. Odin knew if he were to gather the disheartened host of Asgard this very moment, he would face tremendous losses, but they would prevail in battle. That was not Odin's goal. His goal was overall greater, greater than even the starry eyes of Heimdall could see. Odin moved from this to his wife, to Frigga. She is a vision, boy, and remember it well. 
tall, with hair like amber grains in summer, blowing in a gentle warm wind. Her eyes are like the earth, a mixture of blues and greens that change in anger and passion, and she is queen of passion. She is the mother of the gods, and a seer, like many goddesses, able to see the greatness or faults of monarchs and their sirelings. Her eyes were red, for two of her three husbands were dead. Keep that in mind, boy. Though Odin has many lovers, and so too does Frigga, it took three husbands to satisfy the Lady of Asgard. Do not judge the love of others, boy. Another's heart is not yours to mock. The king and queen of the gods embraced, and there wept together. Indeed, many gods wept then, and Thor took a piece of his own hall and threw it, where ashes of his former hall disappeared beyond the horizon. All full of fire and storm was he, and indeed, they all were. The grim god spoke. We have lost much, and in my heart I would mount a horse and thunder into Vanaheim and not leave until we had painted every green field red with their blood. But I have wandered long while my brothers ruled. They were wise and good and better rulers than I, and I do not know what I can do without them. I will need the wisest among you. Heimdall and Ulir, too. Frigga is more capable than any of us, but what comes next will need careful handling. I have returned and brought Thor with me. He shall stay. Frigga stepped from behind her husband, taking his hand. You're not staying. Wanderer, why would you... The king of Asgard interrupted. Thor was not here to defend us from our foes. I was not here. Tyr is in Jotunheim. And where is Baldur and Hod? We are stretched too thin, mother of the gods, and so too are the Vanir. All it would take is a well-organized force led by some great Jotun leader to devastate the High Realms. We are weak, and humanity who relies upon us suffers for it. They have grown cruel and paranoid in their waiting, and we must put our house in order as it is, to bring humanity a semblance of hope so that they are not rats whimpering in the dark. Humanity suffers because we are divided, because we are at war. I must find an answer. I must find peace at whatever the cost while maintaining our own power. Wisdom I must seek, for now I must have the wisdom of three, the wisdom of Villa and Ve beyond my own. I go to Jotunheim. Thor will protect us from enemies. Ulu will rule in my stead, steady as his hand in games and in judgment. Heimdall, a special task I have for you. The tribes and clans of man must be divided in such a way as to bring them peace and stability. The murmurs of the gods were not pleased, but Odin was always wise and had never steered them wrong before. Ulur, a thin and wiry god with the look of a huntsman and with ski shoes on his feet, began organizing survivors to build a shelter, for Thor was summoning a storm in his anger. You go to Jotunheim, Wanderer, in our hour of need? Odin turned to Frigga, suit on her face. Licking his finger, he cleaned it. In your hour, you mean. I do not do this lightly, wife. What do you see? What do you in your hearth fire at night, when I am away, see? I see a man running from his pain, and I do not need fire for that, Odin. Your brothers are dead. Your people need you. And... Odin again interrupted. 
and you know I do this for them. What comes next will be hard. Deepest Jotunheim I must go. My uncle is there, deep in the realm of the giants. I must find the vulva who can lead me to him and his well. Frigga was shocked, the tears in her eyes fading. Mimir? You seek Mimir? What would compel you? Need. If I can bring peace to the gods, we can save humanity, and saving humanity allows us to save ourselves. We need them as they need us. And with the elves, dwarves, and Jotun under control, we will rule the nine worlds. I sense there is something else to all this. I must bring my people peace, and humanity too. Frigga shook her head, then smiled. I will keep Asgard safe, husband, but you must return, in essence, if not in form. I know what these things demand of those who seek them. Odin knew too, but for now he sought something else. I go now to look for Loki. He will lead me to where I can get answers. I will send him to you as soon as I can spare him, and you will know that I am on the right path by his coming. Frigga smiled. As you sent Fulla to me to let me know we were right about Geroth? Odin took her hands, kissed them, and turned to leave. Fulla is altogether more delightful than Loki, but he is my last surviving brother, and I will seek his wisdom such as it is. With that, the king of Asgard disappeared, returning to the world tree. For Loki, Laufey's son, is a hard Jotun to find, if one should make the poor choice to find him at all. The Nine Worlds are one of the most notable parts of Norse mythology, connected by Bifrost and Yggdrasil. A gateway between the worlds, Yggdrasil is a giant ash tree, which is pretty impressive all things considered. Ash indeed is one of the most important trees in Norse mythology and in Northern European mythology, as similarly indicated in the tale of humanity's origin. The name of the first man and woman are Ask and Embla, representing Ash and Elm. Yet there's another meaning to these two names. Ask could mean laborer in some translations, and Embla could indicate a busy woman. A pretty specific and weird one, but there it is. Today's story is not a tale from a specific myth. Indeed, the War of the Gods is not something that is a lot written about, it's just something that's referenced. In most primary texts, it's something that it's a known fact, basically that these gods were two different sets of pantheons that fought one another. We know that it happened, but we don't know what happened in the war. I'm setting things up here, I'm burning down the halls of the gods to allow me to rebuild them into the ones that we know, and tearing down the walls of Asgard similarly allows me to play out other important myths. For example, in the tale of the building of the walls of Asgard, it's quite clear that the War of the Gods has been over for some time. Why did the gods not rebuild their walls before that? I plan on answering that question. This was an exposition episode, which was not ideal, but it's important to set up the Nine Worlds and beyond. Worth noting, there's not actually any consistency to what the Nine Worlds are. Eight of them are pretty consistent, but the Ninth World is not. Most scholars put the realm of the dwarves, Nidaveller, as its own realm, yet it's also understood as part of the other realms, most likely Svartalheim. Which begs the question, what is the Ninth World? For simplicity, I'm going with scholarly consensus despite the contrary evidence, which is just as likely as inconsistency in myth as anything. Next week, we seek out everyone's favorite liar and trickster, Loki Cometh. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Yeager, whose eyes are very much like the Earth in color and in temperament. 
Music by Scott Buckley, whose Creative Commons music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au and on Patreon. If seek ye Yuletide wisdom, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at The Goddessy Podcast. We also have a nifty Instagram now. Check us out there, too. Links are below. Like the show and want others to like the show as well? Be sure to share and leave a review on your favorite podcast service, whether iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever it is you use. That helps other people find us. If you want to support the show and shower me with dwarven gold, check us out on Patreon, where I post blog articles going into each episode and give early access episodes as well, on top of my undying gratitude. Gotta see updates weekly on Mondays. See you next week, far traveler.